Let's go ahead and go to our scripture. And just bear with me. It's going to be Matthew, the second chapter, verse 1 through 15. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. You know, I've read this many times, but I've never read the part where King Herod was troubled, but all Jerusalem was troubled along with the king. Haven't looked into it a lot further, but that just kind of stood out to me as I was studying this. Verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts for him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word for Herod, will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed from Egypt." And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. It's pretty neat. In that passage of scripture, we have two prophecies that are fulfilled. And so, I know this is not, you know, the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, like Brother Mark was talking about. And I know it's Christmas time, and you probably came to hear, you know, uh, all us hold hands and kumbaya and let's read about the baby Jesus. Well, I'm reading about the toddler Jesus because he was a young child is what the Bible says. So this is what happens after the birth of Jesus by a couple years. And man, I think some people forgot the memo that this was the one of the two services they're supposed to make for the year. So I know it's December 20th, 2020, 
And we're just five glorious days away from wrapping up what we consider the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm sure most of you are probably like me. When January rolls around, you sit anxiously and you sit, you know, just just waiting for this time to come the day after Thanksgiving. You wait for, for the holiday season to get kicked off the day after Thanksgiving. You, you know that the signal that, that Christmas is here is when that one radio station starts playing nothing but Christmas music. And they have such classics as Have a Holly Jolly Christmas and Jingle Bells. And don't start, you know, don't start singing it in your head. Pay attention to me. Or walking in a winter wonderland. And of course, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And so that signals the kicking off of Christmas. And it's a time where it's not only full of joy. I mean, you just sang the songs, joy, 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 joy. If this was uh, your college years, that you would have been in trouble. But it's also a trouble-free time. It's a time that I'm sure for the past few weeks you got up on Black Friday and you went shopping and over, over these past few weeks you've gone to the store several times and you know you have just found the perfect gifts for your loved ones, grandkids, husband and you've probably even bought some perfect gifts for yourself. And I'm sure like me most of you have probably gone to the Home Depot and you picked out every single tree and twirled it around and then you got the first tree that you ever brought out of the pile is the one that you ended up bringing home because it was the perfect tree. Or you've gone to your attic and you've pulled out the non-real tree and just plopped it down and you've decorated it and everything is looking great at your house. And for those of you that who are overachievers, and I am not one of these people, you have your Christmas villages up. They're on the fireplace, they're on the table, they're everywhere you can think of. And you have your little white fluffy snow, your little fake snow all over the place. And your husband's probably thinking, why do we get all this out every year? We're just going to put it back up here in just a, a couple of days. And judging by the crowd, it looks like maybe some husbands went outside, put the lights up, they fell down, down the ladder, and they're not here this morning. But for those of you that are here, you're the survivors, so kudos I know you've got the lights out all over the house. And Thursday, when uh, Christmas Eve comes, I know you're going to have over loved ones, family, friends, and you're going to you know, cook the greatest food ever, and you're going to have your board games out, and you're going to be drinking eggnog, and you're just going to have a wonderful time. It's just going to be amazing. Then on Christmas morning, Christmas morning, Everybody's going to wake up. Ladies, your hair will just be done like you just came from the salon. Your makeup will be flawless. And you're all going to have your matching footy pajamas. The whole family. If there's five of you, all five of you. If there's ten of you, you're all going to have your matching pajamas and you're going to be drinking hot coffee uh, or hot chocolate and coffee as the, kids, as the kids open up their gifts. And it's just going to be a beautiful moment. And in the words of one of the famous philosophers of our time, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> thank you, I was, I was hoping some of the crowd would get it. 
<laughs> I wasn't sure how many people had seen that, but Napoleon Dynamite, your wildest dreams are going to come true on Christmas morning. That's how things work out, right? Well, if we could just be honest for just a moment, that doesn't sound like real life at all. I'm not saying you can't, you're not able to have some of those things. Don't get me wrong. But that does not sound like real life at all. And is this really what you're experiencing this season or last season? Probably not. Because if we're honest about, about what's going on, for some of us, we've got personal problems or we have battles that are keeping us from experiencing the joy of Christmas season. For others of us, it seems like you've gone from one crisis to another, to another, to another, all year long. And then to top it all off, that was just the normal year. Then you have the Rona show up, and she throws in some crises in there. And with such an abundance of problems, sometimes it's just tough. It is tough to have a holly jolly Christmas. It's tough. Some of us, with the Rona, you know, our businesses have slowed down. You know, maybe we've been furloughed. Maybe we've been laid off. And we just don't really have time to sit around an open fire roasting chestnuts. That's the last thing that we have time for. And maybe you're here today and you're not really able to relate with some of those problems. Maybe everything is okay in your life and, and there's not really that much wrong. But for some reason, enjoying Christmas, uh, it's, it's kind of tough. It's kind of depressing. And because it's not providing that emotional boost or that emotional uplift that you think it should provide, it's just kind of blah. And that's, that's where you are. And it looks nothing like a winter wonderland. It just looks like winter. And that's, that's the reality of what Christmas sometimes can look for us. And so the title of my message is the dis disillusionment, big word, disillusionment of Christmas and how to overcome it. Disillusionment with Christmas is really not all that unusual. Really, if you think about it, ever since the birth of Jesus Christ, humans have been getting hyped up for Christmas, been getting hyped up for Jesus to be born, been getting hyped up for all those things, and at the end of the day, they're let down. If you think about it, the Jews are still looking for the Messiah because when Jesus was born and he came and he was born in a manger and he didn't come to the palace to be born and he didn't come from what they consider the right bloodline and he didn't come because he was in a rich place. He came in a place where, you know, he's in there with, with, the, with the sheep and all the other animals that you see. They were greatly disappointed because Jesus didn't come how their human reasoning thought he should come. So they're still looking for their Messiah. So ever since the first Christmas, humans have been disillusioned and disappointed with Christmas. 
and this is going to be a tough one, but we're in the, we're in the house of God, so, you know, we got to be real about things. I want to share a little secret with you. I, Martin Ibarra, think of myself many times as this guy right here. This guy. This is how I, I picture myself at times. I got the belly for it. But I'm just a holly jolly guy, and I'm easy to get along with, and everything's just great. And I think of myself as more of like a Santa Claus type figure. But really, if we're going to be honest, this is, this is who I've really been more like at Christmas time. As a matter of fact, that is my nickname in our family. I am the Grinch. Right, girls? That's who I am. I am a fun sucker at Christmas time. I have been a fun sucker. I am the Grinch. And I would have put that shirt on. I plan to, you know, take it off, but I would have looked like a bust, busted can of biscuits if I had put that shirt on. <laughs> Bought it a while back. So, and yes, yes, my heart has grown three sizes. But I'm still a mean one, Mr. Grinch at times. So now that I've got you down and depressed and I've kind of sucked the life out of, out of the room about all the bleak things I just spoke about, I want to share with you not what Martin Ibarra thinks, not what my feelings or emotions are, but what the Word of God says we can do to battle Christmas disillusionment, how we can improve our level of joy around Christmas time. The answer to these questions can be answered in our scripture, and we'll get into this here in just a second with, with the story of the Magi in Matthew 2. Magi is just the fancy word for wise men, so if I flip-flop back and forth, Magi, wise men, same thing. And they come from the east, they, they, they're in the east, and they look and they see a star, and they know that that signals that there's a king that's been born in Israel. And, and so because they, they know that that star signals that, that they wanted to honor and they wanted to, to bring gifts to the new king, and they set out on a journey following the star. And it's these magi's attitudes and their actions in this passage of Scripture of, of these wise men that we can learn how to battle for joy at Christmas time when we don't feel like it. Not by feeling or emotion, but by the Word of God. Speaking of, of disillusionment, I, I've, I've got I've to chase this rabbit real quick. You see this little nativity scene over here, and it's got baby Jesus, and it's got the three wise men. Number one, there was, we don't know how many wise men there are. The reason that we say there's three is because there were three gifts. Number two, tomorrow, they've been talking in the news about the Bethlehem star, the, you know, the star that was over Bethlehem is going to be visible right after dark, and you're supposed to go out and look at it, and that was the star that signaled the, the Magi to come to baby Jesus at the nativity scene. The, the Magi were nowhere close to the nativity scene. They were in the east, and uh, historically it probably took them about two years to come from where they were to see Jesus. And you can see our scripture says, the young child. It does not say the baby. 
it says the young child. And, and I remember two or three, four or five years ago when I learned that, man, my mind was blown. But tomorrow you will be able to see a pretty light right after dark, but it is not the star of Bethlehem. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. So don't get disillusioned by what the media tells you. That was free. No charge on that one. So we have three principles that I want to talk about this morning that we can learn from the, the Magi. The first principle that we can learn from the Magi is that what we seek, what we seek will determine whether we have joy or we, whether we have disillusionment. What we seek will determine that. You know, and I'm sure men and probably ladies here, uh, I know my wife's asked me this a time or two when I've been the Grinch, what do you want out of Christmas? Like, what does that look like? What would make Christmas great to you? What would make it a wonderful time of the year? Would it be buying the perfect gift? If you sought the perfect gift and you found it, would that make Christmas? Would it be getting the perfect gift? If somehow you get what you wanted, is that, is that make Christmas great? Is it, is it watching the Hallmark Channel and feeling festive? Is that going to make everything great? Is it going to be snow outside on the ground? Because, you know, we all think Christmas, we should have snow. Is it having all the family together and, you know, nobody getting in a fist fight? Is that going to make Christmas great and wonderful? Having enough money? to be able to provide your kids and grandkids and family with gifts. There's all sorts of expectations that when they don't happen or they don't pan out like we think they should, we end up disappointed. But the problem is not Christmas. It's what we seek that's the problem. I want to share a story with you. And, you know, I don't, those of you that heard Brother Mike preach, he had a story about a bicycle. Didn't get a bicycle. He told Santa, I'll be my own Santa. And uh, I kind of have one of those stories, too. I know I sound like I'm from here, but I'm not really. I was born in Mexico. Uh, lived there for five, six years. So the first year that we moved here, we moved here in July. You know, Christmas is off a little ways. And so, um, Santa Claus is non-existent in Mexico at this time. He is there now, but he was not there. Only gifts we got was, you know, some socks and maybe an orange on January 6th, which is King's Day, which is when the three Magi are supposed to have been there. So, anyways, Mark Skirdo, y'all know Mark Skirdo, came on Channel 7, I think at the time he was on Channel 7, and he was like, Santa Claus is leaving the North Pole. I'm like, whoa, that is so awesome. And they had his sleigh up on the TV. He is over Wisconsin. He's over Minnesota. He's over Nebraska. You got to go to bed. I'm a foreigner. I don't know anything about Santa Claus. Any kids in here? <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was a good boy, I think. In my head, I was. And so I went to bed. And cultural difference. Not my parents' fault. Not anybody's fault. Just to talk. But I woke up, man, waiting to go get on my bike that Santa Claus brought me. 
And he didn't bring me anything. And for a, uh, I think I was six at the time. Man, that, that, was, that was tough. But then also growing up, because it is cultural differences, when we went back to school, my brothers and I, we couldn't say we just got the new Nintendo. We didn't get gifts. We just got, you know, I mean, we might get some underwear or some pants, you know, later in the latter year. But I was devastated. And I had a similar reaction. I'll just be my own Santa Claus. I had this hope of Santa Claus showing up. And when he didn't show up, I carried that disappointment with me for many, many years. And that's what we do so many times is we, we, we think this is going to make Christmas. And when it doesn't, we're disappointed. But let's look at what the Magi did. Verse 2, it says, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Magi, they show us, they teach us to look or to seek the right thing, which is Jesus. And it wasn't until I, I gave my life to Christ and what we called, I got saved, that the, the, the little, uh, you know, animosity I had towards Santa Claus till that really went away because instead of being bitter about it, I, I never got gifts or I was too poor to give get, get gifts or, or this or that. I started looking at Jesus and seeking Jesus and I understand that it's so much more about Christmas than just having Santa Claus show up and bring you everything you ever want. You know, these wise men for many years, and I don't know exactly how many, but they were looking to the heavens, they were looking to the sky, and they were looking in anticipation of seeing this star. It could have been five years, it could have been a hundred years, I don't know how many years, but they were seeking the heavens. They were looking into the heavens. They were looking for the sign that meant Jesus is here. And so when we, when we seek Jesus, when we, when we look towards him, then our satisfaction can come from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not only the, were they looking for it, but when they saw it, the Bible says they got on their little donkeys or camels or whatever, and for two years they traveled, and when they finally came to him, the Bible says they fell down and they worshipped him. So it's not only good enough to be seeking Jesus throughout the holiday season, but we should have a heart of worshiping him. This is a whole lot harder to do and it's really easy to say. Because it's really, really hard during Christmas season. It's hard throughout the whole year to have Jesus be your first love. Because there's gifts to be bought. There's lights to be put up. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the Magi teach us that principle number one, what you seek is either going to bring you greater joy or it's going to leave you disillusioned. And if you just seek Jesus and worship him, everything else on the side is gravy. Amen? The second principle that the Magi teach us, where we look, where we look is going to bring us joy or disillusionment. We learn from the Magi that there's wrong places to look and then there's right places to look. 
And if we take a look at the Bible in verse, uh, in verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him. All Jerusalem with him. I'm sorry. I'm blah, blah. Anyways, this tells us that the magi, the wise men, they started off looking in the wrong place. They went to a place where they thought in their humanness, in their human logic, we're going to go to a palace because kings are born in a palace. We're not going to see a pauper. We're going to see a king. And so they go to the capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and they go to the, to the royal palace, which is King Herod's, and they look in the wrong place. And it says that King Herod was troubled along with Jerusalem and they wanted to seek Jesus and kill him. Now, I don't know if this happens at your house, but it does at mine. When Christmas time comes around, the Hallmark Channel is on a lot of the time. Now, if you've seen one Hallmark Christmas movie, you've seen them all. You know, boy or girl, they come from the big city back to the little small town where they were raised. And, you know, boy or girl, they are, you know, emotionally uh, unavailable. But then they meet this person and then, you know, they have a little trouble or strife in, in between there. And, of course, you know, there's all sorts of Christmas themes and bacon cookies. And, but at the very end... Boy and girl fall in love, and it's just perfect and magical and just makes you feel all gushy. Sarah's over here like, oh, she's saying amen. Uh, and, you know, of course, we as husbands, we come in, and we're like, you're looking in the wrong place. That's not real. <laughs> now, I will admit, I have a household full of girls, so I've, I've learned to appreciate <laughs> The Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, uh, you can take my man card if you want, but I, but I have. But it's not real. If we feel like our lives should look like a Hallmark movie, we're looking in the wrong place. That's not real. After being disappointed... I'm going to just go ahead and say, you know, sometimes ladies, when you watch uh, Lifetime or you watch Hallmark, you really end up feeling disappointed. Well, why can't my husband be that sweet? Well, give me a script. Give me a script and I'll, I'll, read, the, I'll read the script and I'll bring the get, Just somebody put it in writing for me and I'll do the perfect thing. <laughs> Draw pictures. Yeah, that's fine too. But ladies, I'm right. Men... Uh, you walked into that. After being disappointed, they looked in the right place. When they quit reasoning with their humanity and their human thinking, and they started looking to God, then the trip to Jerusalem was not a total waste. Because they discovered that they should have looked in the Bible in the first place. Because let's look at verse, verse 5, or verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. It's in the Bible. It's coming up. Verse 4. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, 
for thus it's been written, it's been prophesied, it's in the Old Testament, and it says, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. When we can quit looking at the wrong things and we look at the Bible and we read our Bible, and again, it's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do. When we look at God, when we look at, at what he has to tell us in his word in his bible it will bring us joy no matter what's going on in our life whether we have the money to buy gifts or not buy gifts whether we have money to buy a tree or not buy a tree whatever it is the only thing that can give you joy that goes beyond understanding especially at christmas season is by looking to god in his living word which we call the bible amen and when the when the when the magi did that all of a sudden it says that they went out and the star was there again and they knew that Jesus was in Bethlehem. Amen? Our third principle. Try not to go over so you guys can, you know, go to Don Juan's on time. <laughs> the third thing that we can learn about the disillusionment of Christmas is that joy is tied to what we give. The saying, it is better to give than to receive, Amen. it's not popular just because we want to say that or because it sounds tame. It comes from the Word of God. It's better to give than to receive. Now, for some of you, probably like me, it was like a, you know, probably a hard lesson to, like, wait, I'm not getting gifts. Well, these kids, they, they don't even talk. <laughs> they don't know they're getting gifts. But I remember my wife telling me so bluntly and lovingly, Martin, it's not about you. I'm like, hmm, that's probably right. But we can read in verse 11. Let's take a look at verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh so they started they they started seeking out properly by seeing the star then they looked for the wrong place but then they started looking in the word of god and then the word of god says that when they came they not only worshiped him they didn't come to jesus asking jesus for something they didn't say you are the lord of lords and we know that you are god in the flesh so will you please bless us with a uh you know ferrari or something so we can drive back to the east in a peaceful manner or something with it they didn't come asking for anything it says they worshipped him and they came bearing gifts. Not only gifts, though, but appropriate gifts. What does that mean, Brother Martin? They gave gold. Gold signifies that it's a gift for a king. And by giving it, they acknowledged that Jesus was not just a king, he was the king. He was the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. So they brought gold because it fit at the time of what they were doing. It was a proper gift. Then they gave frankincense. That's a gift for a priest. Brother Martin, we're not Catholic. No, we are not. But the priest of the house of Levi used frankincense 
which is, which is uh, I guess, uh, like incense. They used it in the temple, and the priests use it. What this did, it acknowledged not Jesus as the priest, not a priest, but the priest. He is the one that would go or come to us and bring us to God. He's the only one that could do it. And the Bible says he's our high priest. So, you do have a priest. His name is just Jesus. The third gift they brought is myrrh. Myrrh is a gift for the dead. When people died back in those days, they'd go down to Bath and Body Works. They'd get a big bucket of ointment called myrrh. And they would anoint the body with myrrh so that it wouldn't stink. It would cover up the smell. That seems kind of weird gift brother martin it acknowledged that jesus had come to die for your sins and my sins and that you and i would have a chance to be saved and we would have a chance to go to heaven because without that you and i wouldn't have any chance well brother martin does that mean we need to give gold and frankincense and murder people no Unless you want to, I'll take some gold. <laughs> it means that we should give appropriate gifts. And those gifts will bring us joy. What are appropriate gifts, Brother Martin? Well, if you look at the Word of God, you seek the right thing. You look in the right place. Your heart, like the Grinches, will grow three sizes. And all of a sudden, you're going to be showing love and kindness to your loved ones. You're going to be showing love and kindness to, to, to your family, to your friends. Or maybe you're stressed out about Christmas, but you're still going to treat them with love and kindness. How do I know? Because Jesus gives us love and kindness. If we seek the right thing, if we look in the right place, then it should change us to be more like Jesus. We're going to want to help those that are hurting. Everybody in here knows somebody that's hurting. Who's been there when, whenever we've been hurting? The one that's never let us down is Jesus. That's a gift in itself. And then, this is a hard one, but forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Forgiveness to those who have hurt us. That's a gift in itself. And it's not only a gift to the person who hurt you, really it's a gift more for yourself. Because being bitter and angry towards people, it's like drinking poison and hoping they die. They're not hurting like you are. Forgiveness is a gift that we can give those that have hurt us to those that have done us wrong. So, again, three principles. What are we seeking? Where are we looking? And what are we giving? Everybody that's ever done ministry, everybody that's ever become involved in anybody's life, People will tell you, Brother Martin, you've done so much for me. You've done this, 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 and this. And I can tell people that, that, that I've done stuff for. I'm like, no, you've given me more than I could ever give you. You have changed me more than I could ever change you. When you give, it brings your joy level up. It brings your joy level up. And I'll close up with this. When we seek the right thing, Jesus. When we look in the right place, the Bible. 
And when we give the right gift of letting Jesus change us and be more like Jesus, you'll have joy, 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 joy. That's one of the things that I loved about Brother Mike. I could go any time of the day, and many of you can relate to this. I could be having a bad day, bad week. I didn't have to say anything. Brother Mac, how you doing? Poor people never had it so good. I'm like, you are covered in mud and everything else in between. And that man had so much joy that it just came out to others. And that's one thing that I hope by the end of my race in life, I hope that I can emulate that from him. Amen.